everybody. Guess who's back for another episode of Box Wine and Witchcraft? You haven't heard his voice in a little while. He's back. He's still alive. What do you present to us today, Zach? So today we're going to be discussing Effluvia. Spell it. E-F-F-L-U-V-I-A. Um, most practitioners of like folk magic or like European magic, you'll see this word in grimoires. You'll also see it sometimes in high magic. Um, especially when dealing with certain planets that deal with like love or war where sexual fluids or blood are involved. Um, but effluvia comes from the Latin to flow, things that flow, fluids. Um, for those of you who like the Blair Witch Project and you remember Googling about the weird alphabet that was used called Transitus Fluvi, crossing the river. Um, I know a lot of Wiccans use that alphabet. Um, there's another one involved. I just don't remember the name of it. But again, we have that connotation of flowing, the river, things that are fluid. Um, so in, uh, fluvia involves blood. The ones we're going to talk about are blood, urine, and semen and vaginal fluids. So starting with blood, and how to use that in your workings. Blood can be used as food for spirits. Be careful with that one. They can get addicted and then they can start wreaking havoc if you don't start giving it to them often. Um, how do you know when to use that one? All of these are gonna be something that you would only use when you need potency for a working. These are coming from the body. These are coming from the living, well, there are portions of effluvia that come from dead bodies. Um, there is a website that I cannot remember right now, so I'll let you all Google and find it. But there is a website that does sell legally um, water that has been poured from the first washing of a dead body um, that can be used in necromancy, that can be used in uh, scrying bowls, but all of these are going to be used with the caution, hopefully, um, that you're giving part of yourself over to the working. You're tempting spirits, you're feeding spirits with something they once had that they probably now miss, and that is being alive. Um, so be careful with this. Now, sometimes in some traditions, um, if you're actively doing something, uh, and you prick your thumb for no reason. Maybe you're chopping onion and you're not someone who usually gets cut by a knife. You accidentally nick your finger with the knife. It's you're working asking to be fed. When instances like that arise, you know, you're in the middle of actively working with something, you know, let's say over the course of three days and you're just preparing a meal or something, or you're sewing, you're mending something and you prick your finger. That is the working asking to be fed. That is the spirit you're working with asking to be fed. Those situations are fairly safe. It's when you give blood as an offering or a promise that you have to be careful because you are now oath bound to fulfilling whatever promise you made or whatever deal you struck up. When making those deals, it's usually paired with a contract. And just like in the real world, always get things in writing. When you make deals with spirits, write a contract, add your blood. You can burn it, you can bury it. I attach mine to the cedar tree that I'm working with usually um, and let the 
elements deal with it, but maintain your promise because it is contracted. Blood can also be used as currency. So let's say in the very beginning, you ask a favor, you can pay back that favor in blood. Usually I give an offering while asking for a favor and then present some similar offering when that favor has been fulfilled. Uh, we'll give an instance when I used to work with Santissima, um, I would present her with apples and cakes and breads and candles and copal and say, I need this. If you complete it for me, I will give you this. Um, like I've said before, when I've worked with her, it was very transactional. She would come through and then I would usually repeat those offerings, give her the same thing. And then maybe like a bouquet of flowers as well. Something like that. If you are desperate and you are quite literally on your hands and knees begging for help and you have nothing to give in that moment, these are the situations where you would then pay with blood. This again can be just a finger prick. This can be um, animal blood. If you wanna go that route, we do not condone cruelty to animals. I'm talking about that in the context of those traditions that do practice animal sacrifice. Um, please do not go out and get an animal just for the sole sake of killing it to offer it. That's a whole other thing. That's, a, that's an ethical issue. That's not a magical issue. That being said, you can buy beef's blood and you can use beef's blood. You can buy pig's blood and you can use pig's blood. You can, if you have, if you know a farmer um, and they have chickens and they regularly harvest their chickens, ask him if he can save the blood. So blood can be used as currency. Again, like all of this, please be careful in what you're doing. Be mindful in what you're doing. Be ethical in what you're doing. Probably local uh, meat markets would well, be a yeah. good place. To oh ask. yeah, definitely. There is yes, I, there's a local meat market where there's two of them where I live, and you, you can get anything from there. You can get bones, you can get horns. I thought about getting a horn to make a a horn, <laughs> a musical <laughs> horn. <laughs> um, but yes, you can definitely try farmers, local meat markets, um, things of that nature. So as I said earlier, you can also use blood for potency. Adding um, blood to a working will amp up its power. Dragon's blood is often used for this, the resin. Um, a lot of the things that I've come across when it, when it involves resins, dragon's blood is often used as a potency thing. And that's because the tree that that resin comes from looks like it's bleeding when it's cut open. It looks like a normal tree. When you cut into it, the cross section is dry for about five to 10 minutes, and then it starts leaking this red sap that looks very similar to human blood. Um, it's eerie. Uh, and then it dries up and becomes the incense resin that we use. So here's some of the dangers associated with it. I mentioned some of them earlier. It creates a bond, and it might not necessarily be a bond you want. So keep that in mind. Um, if you are going to use blood, make sure you contracted a contract with the spirit or the working that you're doing this with. Um, protect yourself. Do not feed deities you are not familiar with. Do not feed spirits you are not familiar with. Do not feed nature that you are not familiar with. Don't go to some random woods and like, oh, I forgot an offering. Well, I can cut my, my finger open with my hunting knife and give that as an offering. Don't do that. Do not do that. Um, be careful in the bonds that you create magically. Now, are there certain deities right off the rip that you know of that are like blood related? So the deities who work in the realms of sex, death, and magic 
Do not feed them blood right off the bat. Get to know those spirits first. I know a lot of people are very interested in the African traditional religions and they take up, you know, practicing certain law that they do not even have initiations for. Um, and they start feeding them blood. Don't do that. There, there are many reasons you shouldn't do that. You're not initiate. You don't understand the culture. You don't understand the religion. Um, you're feeding a deity that you're unfamiliar with. You don't know the extent of their power. You don't know the extent of the promise you're making. Any deities of the graveyard, of the crossroads, of death, of sex, of magic, do not do it. Even Hecate. I know some people do blood offerings to start talking with Hecate. I advise completely against that. I don't care. Do not do that. If you are someone who comes from a culture of blood sacrifice in its history, for instance, Mexicans, it's a little different. Um, let's say you live in an arid area and you desperately need rain to come. Putting drops of your blood onto a piece of paper and burning it along with some copal while praying to Tlaloc, that is virtually safe. Nothing bad's really gonna come from that. If the worst thing that's gonna happen is you get a big thunderstorm, which is what you wanted in the first place. Situations like that are a little different. When blood is asked for in a particular tradition, culture, or religion, it is meant to be done by the superiors of that hierarchy, and it's done so for your safety. Do not do that by yourself. Do not do that on your own. I cannot control what you do. If you want to go and see how angry you can make something, by all means, go learn your lesson. I advise against it. Um, so that brings us to our next point, which I kind of just went over, cultural differences and meanings. Um, understand the context. If you are a Mexican praying to Tlaloc, it was always traditional to offer blood to those gods. That's fine. It was done four times a day, at least. Um, and I don't mean full sacrifices. The priests, uh, the Aztec priests were meant four times a day to offer popal and to prick their bodies to draw blood. Um, that is one thing. It is another to go get a chicken, cut its head off, and pour it over a stone and offer it to some deity you have very little actual introduction to. Um, this goes with the Vikings as well. I know a lot of people are into blood and bloodstones. Familiarize yourself with those deities before you start making those kinds of offerings. If you have a good teacher, they're going to tell you if you're studying under somebody. If you know how to find a good teacher, because not there are so many stories of so many teachers and so many traditions that are flawed, and you really have to vet your teachers before taking them on as a teacher. Uh, that's something that we're taught in Buddhism. I wish other traditions, you know, were taught that as well. Mm -hmm. um, or, well, at least that it was emphasized as strongly as it is um, in my tradition. Because I have talked to people from other traditions and they end up studying maybe a year under a teacher they thought was for them. And then they completely abandon that tradition altogether. Or they're now like an orphan of that tradition. Uh, so please vet your teachers. Now, for women specifically, for anyone who has a, ure a period, for anyone who has a uterus, menses blood can be used for love, controlling, commanding works, um, for fertility rites. These things are often related to the earth and the moon. Anything in those contexts I think is fine. 
if you're going to offer, I know women who do this, um, offer menses to Venus during their period, that's a devotional act. That's a, that's just an offering. There's nothing involved there. You're not asking for anything. You're giving solely because of tradition or you have a liking to doing that or you feel it's appropriate uh, or that's how you develop a relationship with Venus or the earth, um, the earth mother, a lot of people, uh, a lot of women at least, uh, who are very much involved in these kinds of communities will pour, pour a portion of their menses into the earth as an offering. And it's kind of like a very feminine empowering thing. I don't see anything wrong with that because again, you're not asking anything. There's no contract being made. You're simply honoring that part of yourself. Um, what do these women do if you know, like when they hit menopause and they no longer, do they substitute with wine? Um, they kind of just stop. Okay. Cause again, it's, it's an offering out of, this is a sacred act. I'm giving it to, you know, the earth mother or, you know, the moon mother, the mother of us all as like reverence and honor and remembering that you are the larger mother. I am just an incarnation of mother motherhood walking on this earth. Um, it's out of reverence. It's out of honor. I can't find any other synonyms for it. Uh, it's not, it's a devotion. It's not anything other than that. When they hit menopause, they usually just stop giving it. Hmm. It's not expected. Like Gaia, Venus, Aphrodite, whatever. They're not like, where's my monthly period blood? You know? <laughs> well, no, I wasn't sure if they're like, well, since I can't give that anymore, I feel the need to give this. I'm sure some people do, you know, substitute with red wine or something. Um, again, it's the acknowledgement of, so to use some Wiccan phrasing here, the maiden, the mother, the crone. This is me honoring the motherhood part of myself. And then when they get to the crone era, it's like, well, I'm not sure exactly what the crones do. So um, <laughs> I don't really know what the maidens do either, but it's it's an acknowledgement. It's an honoring. It's a reverence. So let's move on to urine. Uh, there's one podcast I listen to and one of their catchphrases is, if all else, fail, if all else fails, pee on it. And I completely stand by that. Urine <laughs> is a very powerful uh, fluid that comes from the body. It's used in a lot of like colonial era magic, especially old um, protection jars like witches' bottles. One tradition of hoodoo, I know that they collect the urine of when they move into a new house, the urine of every individual living there is collected into a jar. And it is poured on the front doorstep. And this is meant to both protect the family as well as make sure that the family always finds its way back home. And there are different ways of making sure your family comes back home. That's just one of them. Another is taking dirt from your front doorstep and throwing it at the back of the person leaving to make sure that they make their way back home. There's all kinds of stuff. This is just the one concerning urine. Um, urine is also good for marking. If you want to make a boundary with a person or a spirit or whatever, just like animals, pee to mark their boundaries, humans can do the same. Sprinkling urine around your home that belongs to you marks the boundary that this is my side, you stay on the other side. It can be used in domination work. Um, there are some parts of brujeria where both urine and menses are used for domination, for commanding. Um, these are often used in what are called amares, which are very controlling, kind of dark uh, love spells. 
But again, it follows with urine being used as ownership as a way to claim ownership over something or someone. I've known women who will go put their urine like on rival love interest mm-hmm. property, whatever, mm-hmm. to try and keep them away from the guy that they want or the lady that they want. But I'm like, that just seems like a lot of work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with domination, there I've also heard stories of people having jars of urine mailed to them or thrown at their doorsteps or their front door. Um, again, domination. Um, urine can be used for a wide range of things. So it can be very empowering as well. Again, if you make like hard kind of amulet, like from a stone or from a crystal or from, you know, even a piece of wood, uh, careful with that last one, you probably have to wash it with like white wine or holy water or something afterward, Florida water. Um, because you don't want urine to seep into wood. One, it will degrade the wood. Two, it's just going to stink. Um, mm-hmm. But that's a good way to empower those amulets, those charms, those wards, whatever you make. Um, if it's metal, again, if you want to take some uh, Indian head pennies and use them as warding pieces and you want to pee on them, wash the, those pennies in like, holy water or Florida water afterward because it's going to corrode the copper and then you're just left with a zinc disc um or maybe nothing at all if it's pure copper through and through um yeah it's never really a bad time to pee on something (laughs) um all right let's move on to semen and vaginal fluids So these are linked with creation. So these are good for works where you want to bring something about. Um, There's obviously the involvement of sex magic. Uh, This can be both to similar to blood to add potency to things. Um, These fluids are sometimes referred to as seeds. Siemens origin refers to a seed. So there's this connotation, there's this power of beginnings, generation, creation, um, fertility. When you want things to come about, whether related to sex, lust, magic, um, whatever, even if you want to begin a new job, you can use semen and vaginal fluids to help uptick your chances in getting what you want. With semen and vaginal fluids, the way I would do this, it would be similar to blood, would be just to put um, your thumbprint of it onto the petition you're writing, the contract you're making, whatever. Uh, You can do it directly onto a candle if there's a candle involved or right onto a charm bag or a charm or an amulet that you're working with. Have you seen that new trend on TikTok right now? Mm -hmm. The vabbing Mm-hmm. where ladies are taking their vaginal fluid and like dabbing it behind their ears as like pheromones. Um, haven't seen it. Have heard of that before. Something tells me scientifically that probably isn't potent enough and it probably is destroyed as soon as it's it's know, air aired out for like an hour. Mm-hmm. That's what I figured. <laughs> um, that's something you'd have to actually find out on your own, the potency of that, because I'm not a scientist nor a doctor. Um, but I have heard of that in other types of folk magic where they would put it on like their wrists and it was similar to like perfume draws partners we'll add this to our perfume and we'll put that on our wrists and it will draw partners and, but again there's 
there's a magic kind of working behind that. It's not a scientific working. That's something I would bring up to an actual like seasoned root worker because that does sound very folky to me. And like I said, I've heard similar stories before of that. And again, semen, vaginal fluids are obviously can be used for love, lust, control and domination, similar to urine, persuasion, coercion. Um, the idea of like, come to me workings or follow me workings or uh, works that are similar to being like a siren among men. Similar to blood, I would not use semen or vaginal fluids as offerings to gain something. Um, for men, if you want to honor the, the divine masculine within yourself, sure, why not? Vaginal fluids. For women, if you want to honor uh, the divine feminine within yourselves, sure, why not? Uh, you can charge and empower statues this way. So let's say Mars. You could put a thumbprint of semen underneath the base of the statue for Mars. Same with vaginal fluid for Venus or Aphrodite. Uh, those are just, again, offerings to them. It just empowers and charges it. You're not asking of anything. They're not expecting you to do this again. So with that, I would consider that safe. I would consider that fine practice. But that uh, concludes effluvia, the sacred bodily fluids. Now, put in a uh, little disclaimer, of course, be hypoallergenic, be conscious of your workings. Don't leave it out in public. Don't leave it out or don't yeah. touch somebody else's body fluid workings. Um, Correct. And please do not feed your significant other menses in their spaghetti. First of all, that's a legal problem. Second, that's an ethical problem. Third, I don't know where that came from because any of the real root workers and root doctors that I've ever had any contact with advise completely against that and say, I don't know where that came from. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, and that's the thing, the human body isn't meant to take in copious blood, amounts yeah. of blood. Like it, it can cause illness. Um, so don't do that and just be mindful of your space and what you're working and make sure you're being clean yeah. while doing this. But um, if you have a communicable, communicable disease, or if you don't know if you do or don't have a communicable, communicable disease, do not go around marking things with your blood, with semen, with vaginal fluids. Most things are not carried in urine, but just to be on the safe side, don't do that either. Nothing from the belt down needs to be out publicly. Correct. Alone with blood. Um, or even in your home where people can easily touch it. Right. Well, this was an interesting topic. I don't think we've gotten this deep into certain types of workings before. It's always been kind of surface level. Mm -hmm. So this was a surprise. He comes up guys and he's like, it's what we're talking about today. And I'm like, what? no way. <laughs> but, uh, but thank you for that topic, Zach. Um, you got some more topics waiting. So we'll love to record more uh, here soon, but uh, thanks. And make sure to uh, subscribe. Uh, check back for new episodes, guys. Thanks so much. Bye.